Hey there, everyone. Welcome to The Great Retention with Camber Parker, sponsored by The Yo Prono. I'm Camber, your young professional expert and founder of The Yo Prono, where we bring you the answers you need to know about how to hire and retain the best talent, starting with the young professionals you work with. There's a lot of young professional fish in the sea, but how do you catch them? And what do you do once you reel them in? That's where we come in. Today, I'm so excited to have Brian Power join us, Vice President of Employee Benefits for Power & Walsh Insurance Advisors, coming to us from Portland, Maine. Brian and I met in my first career, and while I only stayed for one year, we have reconnected in recent years. We were not even in the same office at the time when we met. He was in Portland, I was in Chattanooga, but somehow got in touch during my brief tenure at the company. And he really helped me in that first year, like really, really helped me. I want to emphasize that. just being a young professional, I was 21 at the time, and he really helped me get through some of those big hurdles in that first year that I think a lot of us experience. I invited Brian to join me today because he knows about insurance, but more specifically employee benefits, which is a huge topic right now as far as retention conversations go with young professionals. So I'm excited to hear his insight about the topic, but Brian, welcome to the show. Awesome. Cameron, thanks for, for having me on. I think you give me more credit about your early career, but uh, I will I will take it and, and run with it. You were the wiser young professional who had been at the company a couple extra years. So I, <laughs> I definitely leaned on you for, for that mentorship at the time. So you're just being modest. But, um, but let's get started with what I like to call a lightning round. So just kind of in short, short sentences um, before we jump into kind of the the hot topic discussion of the day. Tell us something that is not currently on your resume. So something that we would not know just by looking at a piece of paper. Yeah, the the biggest thing that I'll add, and and this is new recently, Kimber, we were just talking about this off air. Uh, I am a new girl dad. So my my daughter was born in October. Uh, Isla Grace and we are, thank you. We are um, so excited. My my wife and I, uh, she has me wrapped around a finger already. She runs the house. Uh, she does the most laundry, creates the most, you know, bottles and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but we, we absolutely love it. So I could not start <laughs> our conversation any other way than, right. than well, doing, doing a hashtag girl. Dad. Love it. And so the, what they say is true. She's already have, has you wrapped around her fingers. That's great. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, congratulations again. That's a very big deal. And as much as we love talking about the professional side of things in this podcast, it's equally as important to talk about the personal because they they play very well together, right? And you have to you have to balance it. So I love that. Thank you for sharing. What is your favorite employee benefit? We have to ask. Yeah. No, it's a great question. And it, the my favorite employee benefit is is a more recent. Uh, it's a newer benefit. It's called a lifestyle spending account. So a lot of employers, uh, you know, everybody has the health plan, right? The dental, vision and disability insurance where you and I started life insurance, things like that. But a a lifestyle spending account is essentially an expense reimbursement program to let employees follow their passions that also line up with things like wellness, right? So we're putting these in place and they're very broad in what they can reimburse employees for, you know, being up here in the Northeast, uh, things like ski passes, state and national park passes, gym memberships, chiropractic mm-hmm. visits, acupuncture, you know, tobacco cessation and mental health subscription services. Mm-hmm. Those are things that, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure, as, as we mm-hmm. go on, can be very flexible to the employer. And they're great for young employees who have things like student loan, which we'll talk about as well, mm-hmm. uh, and are worried more about the day-to-day than what their benefits are going to look like 40 years from now, right, when right. they get to retirement. 
Right. Um, so just, I love the flexibility of it. Yeah. And you touched on something that will definitely make up the bulk of our conversation today. So we're going to dive into that in a little bit, but thanks for setting the stage. Can you tell us a lesson that you have learned as a young professional in your career? Yeah, I I think the two most important things, I think, for any young professional and and to attract them, empathy and unreserved effort will go a long, long way, right? You'll get the respect, the credibility. We talk about it would be helpful to have a little gray hair, maybe, especially in, in my job. But if you can really value and listen to your coworkers, your clients, your managers, you know, your direct reports, it goes further than your intelligence level, what you can produce, because people know you for you and they appreciate someone who is going to empathize with them and know that they're working just as hard as, as they are. So, yeah. That's something I try to embody every day, you know, whether or not I'm successful, that's, that's one thing, but certainly how I approach every day. Yeah. Love that. Thank you. That's, um, that's, I always ask that question to all of my guests and that's a new one, but I feel like it's, it's such a a heavy, um, heavy answer because it's so important to learn that yet a lot of leaders don't. So thank you for, for giving that insight. Of course. So tell us a little bit, Brian, about just more about your background. I know we only covered so much in your intro, but, you know, what does your company do kind of high level? Um, what makes you guys unique? And then anything else about you personally before we dive into our conversation today? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I joined Power & Walsh, which was a, a firm started back in, in 2014 by our two principals. One of them happens to be my dad. I was at a uh, national, big national brokerage firm before before joining Power & Walsh. Yeah. We really focus on the what we'll call the, the middle market. So mm-hmm. 50 employees or so to about mm-hmm. 250. We have clients on, on either end of that scale. Yep. And the reason we focus there is because there's a lot of different things that you can do from an employee benefits perspective mm-hmm. that gets glanced over, right? The, the big national brokerage houses do a very good job for those big national mm-hmm. clients, those big national employers. Uh, and the small regional brokers do a very good job you know, with the day-to-day service. Mm-hmm. But with the cost of health insurance, the cost of benefits, you have to be on the cutting edge in order to stay competitive with attracting and retaining young professionals or any employee mm-hmm. that matter, uh, but also keeping the lights on at your business. And inflation is a big topic right now, right? Um, and medical inflation is even worse than that. So our focus is to help you know both the employees uh, of those companies get access to care, help with any issues they see with the carriers, but really it's for, you know, the HR executives and the the CFOs to say, we are going to spend your money in the best way possible. Mm. I love that. Thank you. Um, And we'll talk a lot more about how they can do that in the most uh, efficient and responsible way. But today, uh, the main conversation, right, is talking about the young professional generation. So we've got about five or six years worth of Gen Z who are currently in the workforce with the remaining number between that 21 to 39 age range of millennials. So millennials are, are aging out of the young professional workforce right now. But they're going to make up two thirds of the workforce by 2030. So big number, right? Um, help us kind of set the stage by just talking about how these two massive generations view insurance and benefits. Yeah, I think that's a, a great question, Camber. And, and all employers are going to have to adjust, right? So Gen millennials, Gen Z, we grew up with technology. Uh, we are familiar with getting answers quickly. We're familiar with not having to talk to anybody to get an answer, right? A lot of self-help things, whether it's applications or, or websites or you know chat po- automated chat portals, things like that. So when it comes and how you apply that to, to benefits, young professionals don't want to fill out paper forms. 
you don't want to fill out an application like you're applying for a loan or a mortgage mm-hmm. just to get your health insurance. So that's something that you need to be able to make uh, done virtually, right? Application, mm-hmm. web portal, however you, you want to do that. And, and I, I also would, would say, you know, I talked about flexibility and offering the different benefits and being able to customize those. Young professionals, millennials, Gen Z have more student debt than any generation prior. They are much more focused on paying off that student debt than they are investing in their 401k. Mm-hmm. So those dollars that employers are matching on the 401k, well, great. And I'm not a financial advisor, but I'm a big proponent of the 401k. They don't ring as loudly to a to a new young employee as mm-hmm. the $50,000 that they owe on their student loans. You know, that, that's an immediate bill that needs to be paid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other thing with, with young professionals, right? We talked about flexibility. You know, they're, they're pet parents, right? Before having, having children, they, they adopt <laughs> a pet. Things like pet insurance are really yeah. important. Teaching them uh, different financial avenues to save mm-hmm. money in, in different accounts, like health savings accounts and, and things that the benefits fit. I, I think employers are going to have to be more flexible and, and we're definitely trending in the right direction. And I think mm-hmm. the brokerage community is, is helping that. But if you don't meet those young employees where they are, they're going to move on. And, and that's a that's a tough reality to, to face, but it is the reality regardless mm-hmm. of industry. Yeah. Um, you kind of touched a little bit on my next question, which is the type of impact this is going to have on the industry. Um, because let's face it, when we think of insurance, it's it's not a sexy industry, right? We've said it from the beginning. I remember when I I said I was going to start working for this, you know, large company at, right out of college, large insurance company. People were like, really? Like, why? Um, because it's just <laughs> not, it's not something that people necessarily go into. Um, but it, it's this kind of stuffy industry. So how, how is this industry? And I, I know it's changing. I don't want to say that your company is like that, but that was just my personal experience, you know, getting into an insurance world. What what is that? What are they going to have to do? Like, how is that going to impact the industry? Because that's hard to create that flexibility. It's hard to implement new technology in a quick fashion. So what would you say to that question? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Cameron. I think there's there's kind of two parts, right? So in terms of the clients and the employees, that's something that you need to rely on advisors to help you do, right? There's a lot of startup technology and, and not so much startup technology that can be used to help your employees, right? So if you're not in our industry or a client of our industry, that's how I would recommend going forward and, and growing your business and, and focusing on the true total compensation package and not just salary and even not just salary and benefits because culture, and, and you've talked about this on your po- podcast at length, is very important to, to drive some of those longer term relationships. Mm-hmm. Now, the financial industry is, as you uh, very appropriately said, that not the sexiest industry in the world. <laughs> I probably put it uh, at the bottom of that list, maybe, is we're, we have our own challenges. It, the biggest thing, it is a very old and aging quickly industry. Mm-hmm. There will be a vacuum of leadership at the carrier level on the, the, the brokerage side in the next 10 to 15 years. Almost all of my competitors. Uh, you know, they're in their, their mid fifties, which means one, they, they know everything they've seen everything or, or certainly, uh, you know, should have, mm-hmm. but 10 to 15 years from now, they're all going to retire. And I know it's not a sexy industry for that young professional out mm-hmm. there, but there is going to be a vacuum of leadership, a vacuum of knowledge that is ripe for a young professional to get into the industry and grow very, very quickly. I know it's not the sexiest job in the world. It's not social media marketing, right? Mm -hmm. But it's a very stable career 
yeah. uh, that will be that'll be a long way. And and hopefully the, the industry adapts quickly enough to mm-hmm. to attract, you know, your your mm-hmm. clients. Right. And, and the young professionals. Mm-hmm. Uh, if not, we're in trouble. Yeah. Well, that is essentially what the Yopro is is out there to do. Right. It's we know there's going to be this this shortage of leadership. And so it's really imperative that companies do what they can now to build up these leaders. And one of those ways that you can build them up is by offering things that they need to just physically live their lives. And that is where a lot of this lifestyle spending that you're talking about is coming and and just health. I mean, being able to get medical insurance and 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 having it that you don't have to worry about your next paycheck coming. I mean, it's just there's a lot more that we can dive into. So to move on, and thank you for sharing um how you think these companies can adapt. I, I hope that the this business can also adapt quickly to meet the the rising Gen Z that are coming in this workforce. Um, but for most of the listeners of this show, Brian, they're business owners or leaders looking for these proactive ways to increase retention and find the best talent. So how can they think outside of the box when it comes to employee benefits? Like you've talked a little bit about this lifestyle spending, but I want you to go deeper into that and then any other um, elements of, of benefits that you want to share here. Yeah, the, the biggest thing, Cameron, I, I would say, you know, give me a call, right? But that's a that's a very shameless plug, and and don't don't do that because I, I made a terrible joke. Um, <laughs> I would say, you know, every client has the same issue, right? So every business leader, there is whether it's the CFO versus the HR department, there's an internal battle about compensating employees, but also being profitable, right? Um, even even for nonprofits, right? That you have a maybe even a tighter window to to do that. What we're trying to do in our approach focuses so much on the, the health insurance just because that drives so much of the spend, right? Lifestyle spending accounts that I mentioned before, pet insurance, those are all great things to add, but those are really ancillary. Those are yeah. nice nice to have things, right? That It's the health insurance that's going to drive the conversation because it makes up 90, 95% of the spend. And health insurance in our in America is is broken. It's there's reverse and, and perverse in incentives for carriers and, and mm-hmm. the pharmaceutical companies to make a, a lot of money. So if you're an employer, what you need to do is start to look at alternative funding arrangements, things like self-funding or employee benefit group captives, where you're taking the money that you're already spending, but using it in a different way, taking on some of the risk of the health insurance and of those health insurance claims to help essentially reset your health insurance cost calculator, right? So mm-hmm. rather than continually spend and, and send all this money to the, the insurance companies and let them make profit on your good years, keep some of that yourself, retain some of that risk, take advantage of, of the opportunity there because there is a lot of savings. We're, we're seeing 10 to 15% savings by going that route. Um, and some of the, the horror stories of old have really been addressed and, and fixed. Um, and I think one of the, the big kind of tidal waves coming and it, it's already, you know, crashing on the shore uh, to use another terrible cliche is big pharma and the specialty drugs, right? All those medications that advertise on television are five, six, $7,000 a month. That's a lot. It's a lot for your employees, but then you get stuck with the rest of that bill and it, it's not stopping anytime soon. Mm-hmm. And it's, I guess when I hear this, right, it, and companies, um, this is something they struggle with every day. It it seems a little bleak when you talk about it. Like, I mean, 95% of the spending is is huge. So again, just to make sure the audience can kind of go with some, some takeaways, you mentioned some of these alternatives, um, 
for maybe some people in the room that aren't as familiar, can you share a little bit more about what that might look like um, as a, in a tangible kind of takeaway for these listeners? Yeah, yeah. And this is one where, where it's not a joke. I'm, I'm happy to have deeper dives because this is just not the, the platform to go anything lower than right. a 30,000 right. foot level. But right. uh, an employee benefit group captive is essentially an insurance company made up of the employers that are part of it. Right. So you don't have to create this insurance company yourself. These, these captives already exist, but you're sharing the risk amongst each other, right? All the employers and, and the costs of their health insurance, they're sharing those risks. You get to keep your plan, you get to keep your network, you know, so your employees don't feel any different. It's just how the claims are being paid for on the back end. And you're sharing in that risk very similar to the way those large insurance companies share in their pool, right? But you just don't get any access to any of that money, any of that savings. And what a captive allows you to do is participate in the good years and uh, get your losses subsidized by other members of that group when when you have the bad year because it's going to happen. You can't control it. It's life. Right. That's what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the pharmaceutical side, there are different programs to put in place to carve out some of those big specialty pharmacy drugs where your employees still have access to it at a low cost, um, but you as the employer aren't getting stuck with the rest of that bill, which is really mm-hmm. you know really the big big aspect of the health insurance yeah. spend that we're seeing take off. Thank you for for doing that. I know that this is the world that you're in every day. And it's obviously for a lot of people listening and watching, they very well might also be living it every day. But I do want to, I like that you kind of kept it at that 30,000 foot view. So thank you for keeping it concise too and clear. Um, What are some of the key findings that you have learned through your work about what these young professionals, especially some of the younger ones that are coming in, um, you know, right out of college, what are you seeing that they need to be successful in the workplace, um, particularly when it comes to offering strong benefits, anything that we haven't touched on yet? Yeah, Kimber, I I think that's a great question. And I'm sure you ask it to a lot of your, uh, you know, podcast uh, attendees and and other speakers. Um, The way I would answer it, ask young professionals what they want. Right. Millennials and Gen Z, they will tell you what they want if you ask. I guarantee it. Right. Mm-hmm. That's uh, one thing about our generation. We are we are certainly outspoken. Mm-hmm. And as an organization, just listening does a lot. It goes a long way. Right. You don't have to change your benefit offerings. You don't have to do something radical. But if you ask young employees what they want from your company, culture wise, benefit wise, salary wise, they will tell you. And if you actively work towards that they will give you the benefit of the doubt. They will give you a longer leash, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't ask them what they want, if you don't take into their thoughts into consideration, they will check out and slowly, and and we, you know, the industry talks about quiet quitting now. Um, That's the the workforce you're going to end up with. So I I would encourage business owners and and our clients that that retain their talent really, really well. They just ask all of their employees, not just their young young professionals, Mm -hmm. what they want. Just listen. It, it's it's very easy to say. It's much harder to do. Yeah. But if you're listening, uh, you're going to get the benefit of the doubt from your employees. Mm-hmm. That's a great answer, Brian. I love that answer so much. I need to like hang it up on a wall because <laughs> at the end of the day, it's just you can't make all these assumptions and then do something just thinking that's what they want. You have to ask. So I I love that. My my favorite is when I hear companies will will ask their employees, you know, through a survey or whatever the means might be. And then they still do something else. That is like I, my favorite uh, example is somebody, I guess they, they were asked trying to get more engagement, right. Among their, their younger employees. And they, this is not a client of mine. 
because I would never have encouraged this, but they they offered movie tickets. That was like the the perk of the month. And I'm like, one, people don't really go to the movies that much anymore. But two, it was very blatantly not what people that I know at that company had responded in their their email. No one said we all want movie tickets. Um, and I know that's we're not talking about um, you know insurance, but it, it, in a way, it's like you just have to ask. So it kind of goes back to what you said. Um, it's just it's not rocket science, but it is hard, and you have to put the work in. So when you do ask those questions as a company and a leader, you have to know. All right, we're going to intentionally try to work towards this, like you said. Um. As the growing number of young professionals enter the workforce and the Gen Xers and boomers begin to retire, um, my question is, where do you see the biggest challenge in your respective industry? I think we talked a lot about this already in in the succession, right? You have to make sure that you are planning for this leadership. Um, so anything else that you want to share about this? Because this is, this is going to be a challenge that not just this industry faces, but all industries are going to face because just of the sheer number of these baby boomers and Gen Xers. So anything else you want to share about that? Yeah, I think there's a, there's a couple things, Kimberly, you know, we talked about it at length. The one last thing I would offer, and it, it affects my industry directly, but every industry that, that purchase purchases health insurance too, right? So as Gen X and boomers retire, but they're also staying on later. So they're a you know, accruing uh, larger health bills and, and those kind of things just as, as we age. Mm. And health insurance, the cost of it is going up at an astronomical exponential rate. It's going to get to the point. We all know it's broken. There needs to be a transformational shift. Otherwise, employers will not be able to afford the benefit for their employees. It's just, mm-hmm. it, it can't go on forever, no, no matter how you pay for it, right? We talked about self-funding and things like that. Mm-hmm. I, I think... The problem is, and, and people have heard various politicians talk about Medi- Medicare for all and other single payer solutions. Um, you know, Medicare doesn't reimburse hospitals nearly at high enough level to, to keep them running like the, the private insurance do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in practice, you know, do you really want to wait a, knee, a year for your knee surgery? You know, mm-hmm. like they have to do in some of these countries with, with socialized medicine. So I don't know the answer. I couldn't solve it here on, on your podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> really? It's, in 30 it's minutes? An, Right. It's a it's an expense that, you know, it is probably second to payroll for most companies mm-hmm. and most business leaders. If there's something that keeps them up at night, it's it's a cost that they can't control. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's very little control to that. Uh, so I think that's going to be a challenge as as this workforce ages, those claims will continue to rise. Mm-hmm. And the younger generation, they're going to be the, the, the ones that are going to have to fix it because they're going to mm-hmm. be the ones stuck with with the cost. Uh, and I think uh, I, I don't want to be a, a doom and gloom. I, I feel like I've said it too many times here, um, but it is it is something that that I think about quite often. And mm-hmm. frankly, I, I don't have an answer. And that's okay. I was not expecting you to come on here and tell us that. I I did what I did want you to do was just start the conversation, right? So that business leaders can use this as a resource, at least as a starting point, if they've been struggling with this, which probably have, um, or like you said, might keep them up at night. Um, they're just, it's a starting point. And so the things that I'm hearing just throughout this conversation, you know, we had mentioned before we, we hopped on there, are a lot of people I'm seeing a lot of interviews right now or articles that are about the ins and outs, you know, what goes, what are, what's in for employee benefits, what's out. Um, I'm hearing just a lot about transformation. The, the whole industry needs to, needs to shift, but before we even say what's in and out, we've got to ask, 
the employees what they actually want, because that's very much so what the post-pandemic workplace really looks like. You have to you have to ask. And so I don't want to ask you what is what's in and what's out, Brian. I think you've really laid a good you've laid out a lot of really great resources that people can start to utilize. Um, I think technology is a big piece that you touched on earlier. That's just that's what young professionals know. So you have to be able to shift to what they know. Don't don't send them a packet of paper because you know they're not going to sign those. Um, so anything that you want to share about that kind of idea of these ins and outs um, that that we maybe didn't cover already today? No, Kimber, I think you, you summed it up really well. And and I, the only thing I I would add, you know, or, or maybe just reemphasize some of the things that that you mentioned and, and that I said as well. Asking, building the culture at your workplace, regardless of what industry you're in, regardless of size of, of your company, it doesn't have to be, you know, this big fancy initiative. It can be a day by day asking the right questions, you know, investing in, in your young people, investing in all your employees. Um, just time gives you a lot of uh, ability to, to grow more slowly. And by grow more slowly, I mean, grow the benefits, grow the the culture, grow what you're offering your employees at a slower rate because they know that you're doing it. If you do it behind the scenes and then you you break out with the the movie tickets, Canberra, that you talked about, (laughs) that doesn't win anybody over. It's just, oh, they're not even listening to us anyway, right? Mm -hmm. It it actually does more harm than good for something that you're actually giving away. You're trying to to help those employees. You're trying to build that culture. You have to do it kind of grassroots, I, I think, you know, comes from the from the the top down in leadership. I mean, grassroots being it has to be organic and it has to you have to commit to doing it. Right. And mm-hmm. and the companies that don't, um, I, I feel badly for them because I, I think they could benefit from a conversation with, with you, Cameron. But the, the companies that don't are going to struggle because the, the younger generations are more and more um, willful. Right. They're very strong willed. Um, also they don't have the same loyalty that maybe the, the person who works at a company for 40 years does like a, like a Gen X or a, a baby boomer. Um, those young professionals, you look at their resumes, you know, we hire folks, they've been at 10 companies in mm-hmm. 15 years, right. Mm-hmm. And, or, or six companies in three years. Right. And that's not because they're bad. It's just because they didn't like the culture or, or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you want to keep those people around, you do, you might have to change the way that you, you know, you connect with them. So yeah. uh, that's the only thing I would, I would add as, as an offer, Kimber. I really appreciate you having me on, on the podcast here. Yeah. Um, thank you so much. I mean, I think that was a perfect way to end the interview and, and wrapping everything back to culture in the workplace. So Brian, thanks so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. Awesome. Thanks so much for the, the invitation, Camber. And, and like I said off air, this will be the only podcast of yours that I don't watch because I will not watch myself. But That's all right. Uh, well, you did a I'll wonderful job. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Thanks for being a, a YoProno follower from the beginning. Thanks, everyone, for joining us on The Great Retention with Camber Parker. Before you go, remember this. Young professionals make up nearly half of the workforce today and are expected to jump at a rapid pace in the next decade. What will you do to help them become the great leaders we need for our future? Join us next time for more information on how to recruit and retain young professionals. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. This helps others know where to find episodes about this topic. And don't forget to share with your coworkers. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. 